was born an original sinner. I was born from original sin. And if I had a dollar bill for all the things I've done, there'd be a mountain of money piled up to my chin. Well, not that you'd ever know it, but you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am not Troy Goodfellow, uh, who could not be with us this week. I am Julian Rabbit Murdoch, uh, and I'm here with our usual cast of clown car attendees. Tom Chick, how are you, Tom? I, I'm fine. Uh, can I get you a coffee, Julian Rabbit Murdoch? Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm drinking white wine tonight. And we have we have Bruce Garrick, who sounds positively awake. Hello, gamers. <laughs> By the way, for our music cue, uh, Julian, can someone let Bruce know that the 80s have been over for about 20 years now? A long time. And that was the best he could come up with for our topic of the week, which is <laughs> religion in strategy games, which is, uh, which is I guess, an, an apropos topic going into the uh, Christmas week here, huh? Uh, because religion has a lot to do with shopping? Because, well, well let's holidays. say. Happy holidays. Happy it's holidays. A happy holiday. We're wedged here in between Hanukkah and Christmas. Right. So uh, I'm actually kind of curious about this. So this is, I think this is kind of controversial because I remember Tom has been advocating this kind of stuff for a long time. I think one, at one point Tom suggested that, um, that, you know, games were just sort of this, you know, frivolous pastime. They didn't really do any good. And so he was suggesting that um, like for Catholics, uh, like on a Holy Days of Obligation, uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to go to mass. You could satisfy your requirement for going to mass by playing a video game if it were, you know, appropriately, appropriately religious. So I'm just kind of interested in how Tom's going to kind of defend that and where he's going to take it, because I think it's kind of I think it's kind of provocative. So you read that. Uh, did you read that on my Facebook update? That's uh, <laughs> when we were playing Farmville. <laughs> Not a lot of religion in Farmville. Well, I am an advocate of video games being bold and daring when it comes to topics they traditionally shy away from. And sure. and religion is one such topic. Well, you wrote you wrote a piece on, well, I think it was you, not Troy, wrote a piece about how um, the big gaping hole in The Sims 3 was the fact that nobody could be religious. Was that true? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't write a piece on it. Here, here's what you do, Julian. When you interview someone, you have to cull from the interview some sort of provocative statement that makes a cool headline when you're posting on a blog. Uh, and I'm ashamed to admit that I did that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about one of the Sims 3 producers with about uh, was the fact that, that religion is not included in The Sims 3. And I, like Troy, approached The Sims 3 partly as a strategy game. Uh, so I asked her why there was no religion in it. And she rightly sidestepped the question. It's a tricky question. And EA is very conscientious about the the front they put out for the public. Uh, they, yeah, they like can't... like Dante's Inferno, which just totally avoids the whole religious thing altogether. They're very very cautious. Well, well, well. <laughs> to be fair, Dante's Inferno. That's actually a good point, Julian. Dante's Inferno. Does, doesn't it? It's what? It kind of does avoid the religious topic. Well, Dante's Inferno is all about being provocative and poking at people and and uh, trying to get your attention because it's this God of War clone that nobody's going to want to buy, nobody's going to want to play, so they've got to just make noise. Uh, whereas The Sims 3 is a very family-friendly, mass-market game, sure. uh, and they don't want to alienate anyone. Uh, <laughs> with Dante's Inferno, they're kind of backed into the corner with their crappy God of War clone, and they don't really know what to do. Uh, so I think they do need to be careful when they talk about why in Sims 3 there is no religion. 
Sure. Uh, and ultimately, I think that was the right decision. But yes, you, you are right. That is something that came up in an interview that I did. Uh, Troy wrote a little bit about the subject as well. Uh, and, and that's a good starting point is why is religion not in The Sims 3? And should it be there? Well, I, it's sort of funny we're having this conversation now because I'm actually in the middle of writing a pretty big piece on this. And so I've been doing a bunch of interviews with folks that have actually approached the topic. So I, I we, we did an interview with Peter Molyneux and stuff, and he had the best quote, which was, it's just the, the risk-reward ratio of touching religion is way not good enough, right? You you run the risk, or you it's not even a risk. You nearly guarantee offending some of your audience by approaching the topic of religion, and that and therefore there's really no there's no payback for it if you're a game designer, which is odd coming from him because if I go through the list of games that kind of do touch on it a bunch of his show up, right? Because you can go all the way back to Populous and talk about the, you know, the evolution of the God game genre and the fact that you could actually make a savior and have him walk around on the map. I mean, that's pretty much dealing with it straight up. You know, I, I, I thought we would sort of go there and that, that is an interesting sub topic in a way, but I really don't see God games as being about religion in any meaningful sense. Well, they don't have to be, or I mean, they certainly don't have to be, but I don't but, think they are. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think any video game, most video games are power fantasies. And one of the ultimate power fantasies is to be a God over little people. But I, I don't really think that that talks about or addresses religion in any meaningful way. It's, it's, it's a power fantasy, not much different from the same power fantasy you have when you are, are playing Sim City and you drop a tornado on the world, or you're playing an RPG and you control little people. Uh, I, I don't think that God games like that, and, and that's interesting, I, on my list of things, none of Peter Molyneux's stuff came up, and you're right, Populous is presumably, but you know, it's got religion in it. Black and White has got religion in it. Right. Uh, well, and Fable, and Fable, and Fable 2 certainly feature... I, what is a somewhat, uh, you know, uh, overdone, uh, you know, combat between the Church of Good and the Church of Evil, right? I mean, that is definitely a component of the plot line, but it's done with such broad strokes that it, you don't even really think about it, right? I mean, it's just it's just a, you know, a classic branching path for the RPG player. Right, and I don't think of that as being religion either. That's manichaeism, you know. It's, it's, it's a facile division between good and evil, and you pick one or the other. Right. Uh, what do you think of when you when you think of religion in games, Tom? Uh, I, well, so there's a couple. There's there's two different approaches I think you can take. Uh, where The Sims Three missed out, and I am way in a way I'm glad they didn't do it. You can approach religion as it uh, applies to people personally, their day to day lives, how it's part of a person's makeup. Uh, and in a strategy game like The Sims Three, I can understand they didn't do that, but there was a lot of potential there. For it could have been could... really interesting. I mean, right. but 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 there's no way to make it interesting without making some sort of judgment, right? I mean, the ways they could have made it well, interesting. Well, I disagree. Well, but... no, but but ultimately, if it's going to have any in-game effect at all, they need to at least be able to say, uh, you know, if your if your sim goes to church, there is some positive impact or or some negative impact whatever it is but they have to say there's some impact because otherwise they're just they they could just for instance make a building you couldn't go into that looked like a church that's not really putting religion in the game but if they're going to actually make religion part of the gameplay mechanic i i don't see how you can possibly include it without at least passing the most basic judgment of does religion impact people 
And that's not something most well, people... when you include it, you're basically saying, yes, it does. Right. I mean, the very inclusion of it says, yes, it does. And it doesn't have to offend or pass value judgments. And I would submit, and I know we'll get to this, uh, Civilization Four. It includes... Right. We know, we know we're going to dive into that heavy, right? So that's... Fine. Yeah. And it's very careful to not attach any value judgment to any religion. And in fact, in Civilization Four, and I think this is a legitimate criticism of the game... Every single religion is interchangeable. Yes. It's just a single concept that gets a label slapped on basically different colors. You know, Christianity might as well be red, Islam is blue, right. Hinduism is green. Uh, it, it, it's very careful to avoid any sort of value judgment. Right. And, and the only question is how much you invest in religion as a concept, as a player. Do you actually do anything with it or do you just sort of let it be? Right. Uh, and that's the other way to, so to get back to what you were asking, Bruce, that's the other way that you can present religion in a strategy game specifically is its historical and cultural significance. Uh, and I think both of these factors as somebody who, uh, I, I don't intend this to sound condescending, but I adore religion. Religion is very important to me. Uh, and, uh, I'm disappointed that games don't address it in either of these senses very often. Uh, it's cultural and historical significance. And there's a lot to talk about there though. That is, present in a lot of can we can we talk about assassin's creed 2 with a full-on spoiler warning because that would totally blow the doors off that uh i was even gonna say yeah i was gonna bring that up without mentioning the game just because i want to talk about the ending (laughs) yeah i know i do too so but you've kind of blown we've missed that train you let the horse out of the barn julian (laughs) i I, that that assassin's creed 2 is about religion i don't think is a spoiler what it does is a spoiler and i didn't say anything Okay, Bruce, you have not played game. Assassin's Creed 2. Am I correct? What's Assassin's Creed 2? Yeah, that would be a yes. Is that a video game? So, when you, so therefore, you have not gotten to the... It's a religion. Uh, <laughs> it's a video game set in uh, 16th century Italy. And oh, that's racist. If, well, if, you, <laughs> if you have not finished Assassin's Creed, stop listening for about one minute. We okay. won't talk too much about it. So, uh, Julian, tell Bruce what happens at the end of Assassin's Creed. It, it becomes an atheist screed. That's basically what it is. It, it denies, it denies the it, Old Testament. It basically rewrites the Old Testament. See, and that's not even the part that I think is amazing. The part that's amazing, the end of Assassin's Creed, I think it's more uh, uh, a Protestant Reformation uh, wet dream. Because you, you go, you fight the Pope, bare-knuckle boxing, and you, you punch <laughs> him. So there, there you go. And then you discover underneath the, the Vatican, a vault, that basically says uh, so there you go okay you can come back if you weren't listening because of spoilers so but but, but that point- for instance is an example of and and ubisoft also sidestepped some very interesting religious implications in the first assassin's creed which took place during the crusades uh it was it was set in the arabic world uh it had it had templars and crusaders and it had synagogues uh and it just refused to address in any sort of an interesting way any of those issues. Uh, but it, and but it, it which is why AC2 is so much more I, I, I'm shocking, as I guess the right word. I mean, I, I was I was stunned. I'm not offended. Um, and, and I'm I'm like, you know, I go to church every single week. My daughter's in five services this week for Christmas. So, I mean, I if anybody was going to be offended, I suppose I should be. But I was I was kind of shocked that they went as far as they did, you know, because it is it is ultimately, I think, a, a denial of the whole Judeo-Christian branch of religion. 
You know what, though, Julian? That's a dime a dozen these days. You read Da Vinci Code. That's just that's just fashionable part of, I think, pap entertainment is, ooh, oh, let's okay. undercut Christian. Ever since Tom Robbins in another roadside attraction, I mean, that's just a really trendy thing to do because we're a largely secular society who doesn't get as offended by that anymore. I don't know if you guys heard, but John Lennon said he was bigger, that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. There you go. Yeah, but and nobody's it, made a game about John Lennon being like a bad guy. That would be offensive. Uh, isn't he? Isn't there a boss battle against John Lennon and Beatles rock band? <laughs> <laughs> Bare knuckle boxing. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, you you know strategy games. So to to prevent Julian and I from sitting here talking about like Sims Three and Assassin's Creed uh, for the whole hour, what sort of things have you seen done in strategy gaming with religion that you find? provocative or interesting or unique well there's a whole game about the reformation no you're making that up what game is about the reformation uh here i stand i believe oh good lord you went straight to board games didn't you yeah (laughs) that actually okay explain the mechanics to us because that right there uh as someone who studied theology my ears are pricking up i want to hear about interesting yeah well i mean it's uh it's, I mean, it's, it, the the main mechanic is not uh, is not um, religious, but I mean, it has to do with uh, uh, the religious wars around uh, you know the six fifteenth six sorry sixteenth seventeenth centuries. Yeah, I have to um, always do that math in my head too. Yeah, I know I have. Yeah. Go one century back. <laughs> it's like time so, zones. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, I. I think that in that case, you know, that it it's um, it's history in the sense of uh, I mean, it's, it's religion in the sense of history, just like religion uh, is sort of part of games in the sense of history. There are tons of there are tons and tons of board games about well, war tons and tons of board games about the Crusades, Siege of Constantinople, what have you. Um, there's actually a really good one of the block games. I can't remember which one it is. Um, about uh, about the Crusades, I can't. I honestly can't remember the name. But um, I mean, that that's all done. I mean, and and you know, one side is is um, you know is religious, and the other side is religious, and they fight. Um, there's um, a, a good game called. Well, I don't know. If it's a good game. It's an interesting game called uh, Empires of the Middle Ages, in which uh, you know uh, religious conversion is you know, uh, an an important mechanic because uh, Christianization and the uh, um, spread of uh, uh, Eastern Orthodox Christianity uh, versus uh, Islam versus, um, you know, Roman Catholicism is uh, part of the victory conditions. So, um, I mean, I think it's all been done. Um, I just think that in many cases, the, the games that deal with it are marketed to an audience that sort of sees it in some sort of historical context where it's not in any way uh, threatening. And of course, you know, who cares if you piss off a bunch of, you know, board game nerds anyway? Exactly. So exactly. Th- it doesn't really matter, right? It, it, it only matters when it's a game that, you know, somebody's going to go into Best Buy and buy and their mom is going to get all mad that, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, or something, something that somebody can walk by and see that, you know, there's a game about, you know, killing the doing pope. wheelies the Pope yeah. wheel. <laughs> and that's why, for instance, Paradox is free to tackle the issue 
with a surprising amount of detail in the Europa Universalis games. Yeah, sure. Those yeah. are, yeah. Those are niche games, and they're not going to... The kinds of people that Peter Molyneux is worried about offending, they have never even heard of Europa Universalis, and as soon as they see it, they're going to assume it's some foreign movie. Yeah, but that's no, fairly, nobody that's, cares about that stuff. But that's fairly don't. nuanced. I mean, my, my sense, and I haven't played all of the EU games all the way through complete exhaustion, but, but my sense there is that um, I, I never got the sense that there was an agenda... I got the sense they were trying to represent like the real world in strategic context as best they could. Now, maybe that just means well, I bought their view, right? It's very, it's like Bruce is saying, it, it's the kind of game for people who are aware of the historical ramifications of religion and aren't going to be offended by the fact, for instance, that in Europa Universalis 3, you have policy sliders where there are two values, um, for instance, do you want to emphasize land warfare or naval warfare? And they're mutually exclusive. You move a slider between the two to build your society. So, for instance, in Europa Universalis, there is an innovative versus narrow-minded slider. If you move your culture towards the narrow-minded side, the Catholics like you more. So, uh, if uh, Paradox wants some free publicity... They should make it very clear that their game says explicitly that Catholics are narrow-minded, and therefore maybe they could get some sort well, of arch archbishop but, but to protest them and give them publicity. You've got your tense <laughs> wrong, right? That's the key thing there. It's trying to be a historical game. So it's saying Catholics were narrow-minded, not Catholics are narrow-minded. And I think that's a critical distinction, right? There's you know a difference between doing something that's a historical uh, you know, a, a true historical reenactment and looking at, say, what happens in the 1600s in Rome and saying, OK, we know a lot about what happened in the 1600s in Rome. We can say definitively the church did do this. The church did not do that. These people were prosecuted. These people weren't. That's different than saying, here's a blank slate and let's start, you know, with, you know, global thermonuclear war in 2010 and now make a comment about organized religion. I think there's a difference. Uh, just so you know, Julian, I was being facetious. Yes, I know you were being facetious, <laughs> but I was trying to move uh, the point along. Uh, so, so, but, but that's they've done a great job of incorporating the hi history of religion with some amount of detail and including value judgments. Right. Uh, and the the same value judgments that Civilization Four refused to make. Right. Uh, and to be and, and to be fair. You know, I I talked to Soren about this explicitly for this article I'm working on, and he said, "Hey, we left stuff on the table. We know we left stuff on the table, right? That's but that's a choice why they had to make. Do it. I don't see why you would do it. I mean, what would be the point of what? Not leaving that stuff on the table? No, of have no of having of having you know some explicit uh, characteristics to every religion." Right. Well, but the, that, the point right, that, would be that, that that's what he's saying is that there was an opportunity to sit there and really dig into each religion and say, right. OK, at a certain era in time, you know, the Islamic world owned science. And therefore, during that era, they should get giant boost. Right. Or whatever. Um, I think the reason right, that they, would, you the reason you avoid that is because, you know, you're going to piss somebody off. Well, it would have it overwhelmed the game. Right. I mean, yes. the 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 complaints and, and outrage over whatever judgments they made would have so overwhelmed any other uh, discussion of the game that it would have been pointless. Well, right. I disagree, Bruce. I mean, you can't uh, necessarily maybe in Civilization Four, that's sort of verging mainstream enough. But these complaints, 
don't overwhelm Europa Universalis, for instance. People in there are complaining about, uh, no. I think it's Johan says there's no slavery in the game. Or no, there is. is, is it? No, there's no Maybe slavery. Tom, I was talking specifically about Civilization Four. Okay, well, here, here's the point. Then I, I think the point would be, and it is a trade-off, and I understand why they've done what they've done, but one of the points is it, it can add interesting gameplay mechanics. I, I mean, well, do you all, think all they... I have to do is look at the Fall from Heaven mod, for Civilization Four, where religion is half the of the equation game. for how yeah. you build your, your, your society. The, the faction that you play in Fall from Heaven consists of two things, your choice of race and your choice of religion. And Derek Paxton built a great deal of interesting, engaging gameplay in there that forced difficult decisions and gave a lot of flavor. Now, it was all fantasy space elves, or not space, it was all fantasy elves and octopus gods and crazy stuff like that. But I got a sense for, yeah, if you acknowledging the importance of religion can lead to really cool gameplay. Uh, well, now you're right. Your, I understand what, that it's tricky. So. I mean, in, in Civ four, I mean, I've heard plenty of people cr criticize Civ four's religion thing is kind of just sort of being just another strategic game mechanic that you could just as easily call. I mean, as you said, you could just as easily call it, well, I'm going to decide to be blue. Right. It, it, it with with really sort of fairly thin impact on the game. Well, uh, here here's what I think they Soren did with religion and civilization four that is interesting and that I do admire uh, what civilization four copped out on was distinguishing various religions from each other. But what it didn't cop out on, I mean, what it what it actually embraced is this idea of religion as a subversive viral factor in history yes. that's independent of borders and culture and technology uh and that that was a very cool idea i liked the way that was built into the game uh it was a huge divide between different civilizations if you're not the same religion as another civilization that's a huge hit to your diplomatic interaction if you are the same religion you're you're pretty much automatically friends unless something else comes up uh so I appreciated that idea and the way that it took place. Like I said, it was viral. It wasn't something that you could control directly. Uh, it was something that a lot of it happened of its own accord. You could influence it with your, uh, I forgot what they, did they call them missionaries? I forget what the units were, but you could send a missionary from a specific religion to right. another city to convert it. Well, uh, and this, this brings me back to a game that I know that Bruce wants to talk about, which is Dominions 3, right? Which is all about that. I, mean, mm -hmm. I was waiting for somebody. I didn't want to be the first one to say Dominions. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, that is essentially like, you know, a critical strategy. I mean, it's actually the strategy. It's where you have to end up, right? It's converting the world. Right. Right. But and I mean, it has that same viral spread sense, doesn't it? it? Isn't it those factors like you build your religion and then it spreads into a Well, you have to be, it doesn't sort of do it by itself. You have to be pretty aggressive. You got to be sending. Yeah, you, it depends on how, depends on what your Dominion uh, score what your um your strength well, you're starting dominion is but i mean the, the i think the the difference i it in i think that the civ war uh religion is is much more clever i guess because it does spread between cities and um sort of influences interactions between uh between civilizations in, in dominions the dominion series i mean everybody has their own religion because everyone is playing a different you know, pretender that's trying to ascend to godhood. So you can only have one god. So they're all completely incompatible. The game doesn't even have any mechanism for alliances. I mean, everyone's always at war in, right. in the Dominion series. So 
Um, so in that sense, religion is just another, you know, influence uh, uh, thing. I mean, it's just a, it's 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 another, it's another, it's another thing. You can yeah. It doesn't have any interesting mechanics to it. Not that that doesn't make Dominion the best game in the world, but um, still, it, I don't think that that's even remotely uh, as um, as religion. It, I don't get that sense of religion in the same way from uh, from Dominion that I do from Civ Four. Right. Right. Uh, well, Bruce, do you go ahead, Julian? Well, and, and in, in many games that do introduce the idea of religion as a single concept, it's often given the same mechanical background as, say, culture. Right. It's just sort of something that you build buildings and it spreads with a radius and then you could build another building and it spreads with more radius, which is kind of like just, uh, you know, building theaters and things like that in quite right, a that's yeah, that city builder approach where religion yeah. is a need just like food or entertainment or medical care and that's so uninteresting to me it's completely uninteresting here here's a game though i don't know i forget which one it was but there was an impressions city builder it might have been zeus where you had to balance the temples for various gods for each each one had different good and yeah that was effect. zeus that yeah. was yeah. Zeus. Yeah. if you neglected a certain god you would have visited upon you a specific calamity uh yep based on which God you neglected. And, and I don't know if it offended any, uh, you know, Roman worshipers, you know, worshipers <laughs> gods. I don't know if they protested the modeling of their different religions. Uh, but that, that's an example of a way you, you distinguish different religions from each other. And I guess they right. weren't separate religions, but uh, that was I mean, far more interesting than, you know, you have to plop a church down and make sure all the houses are within a church radius. Yeah, sure. But I mean, once again, that's fake religion. No, people really believe that stuff. It's outdated religion. It's, it's sell-by date is over. <laughs> Inspired. Uh, Bruce, do you remember how they modeled religion in... So I, I've been playing a lot of uh, Europa Universalis 3 lately, and I really like... And we can talk more about this. I really like what they've done with, with religion here. But it made me think of other games that I really like and how they modeled religion. And I had to go back and look up some. Do you remember, Bruce? I think you would agree with me that this is the second best strategy game ever do you remember how they did religion in imperialism 2 they did religion in imperialism 2 do you remember how it was modeled there gosh i just played imperialism 2 like a couple of months ago well you know what um, go ahead i'm trying to think i don't i don't recall and the reason you don't recall is because they didn't <laughs> oh that's a trick it's question it's a trick question they completely sidestepped it i had to pull out the manual and look through it and uh it, and and at that era, you know, this is it was a huge factor. And and the folks at Frog City, they were just like, yeah, never mind. We're just going to ignore that. And I didn't even realize that. that that had never even occurred to me because that game is so good. Uh, well, once again, I mean, it, it's it just it just shows you that there's there's some level of of uh, of discomfort with the time. And 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 frankly, I think, I mean, I'm not sure why. You would want to push for having religion in 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 games, if it's just going to cause a bunch of people to get pissed off. I mean, it's well, just through those people. I mean, seriously. That's... Well, I, well, that, I, because I there are case, there are cases where it's strategically interesting to think about. Yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, <laughs> well, here you go. Strategically, <laughs> uh, whatever. The mating call. Of, oh, jeez. Well, here you go, Bruce. So that's, another game set in the same era as Imperialism Two uh, is the the recent remake of Colonization. Uh -huh. uh, that Brian Reynolds design. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the same subject matter, but what they did with religion there is your colonies would generate crosses. And if you built churches or cathedrals, you would generate more crosses. Uh -huh. And then back in the old world, as you accumulated crosses, 
it would every now and then unlock a new colonist for you. So it was presenting religion, you know, this concept of religious persecution driving colonization of the new world. That's, mm -hmm. as Julian puts it, a strategically interesting way to, to think about and to present religion. Now, you could also sidestep that. You could buy your colonists, which would represent new colonies established through trade and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but they, you know, imperialism, too, decided to ignore the issue, whereas colonization had an interesting strategic model for it. And Imperialist 2 is a much better game. I do agree with you, so I think I might have just undercut myself. Good point. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, I, I see your point. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to, to write off, um, write off, um, you know, interesting game mechanics. But I was thinking a lot about this uh, because I didn't really have much time to sort of actually do any research. So just sort of in my odd, odd moments, I was thinking, how oh, am I going to talk about religion? And um, I was just thinking about gaming as entertainment and how uh, how much it has in common with just uh, and this is nothing something I thought of I mean millions of people I'm sure have discussed this already on many message boards but it's just like sports reporting or you know following sports where there are certain sort of unwritten uh, there's certain taboos that you just don't go there like you there's not excessive you don't criticize players for poor performance too much uh, you know when you're an, an announcer. You don't uh, call players out. Um, it's the uh, sports interviews are uh, traditionally bland and they don't have much information. But it's all about entertainment. And I don't see why you would want to sort of inject, uh, you right. know, sort of incendiary topics into something that everybody's just trying to use for entertainment. Well, don't sports interviews, don't those dudes always like thank Jesus? <laughs> yeah, so what's your... <laughs> What's well, there you point? go. They're injecting the topic. No, I, I understand what you're getting at, Bruce. So here's that's one way to look at video games, and and you are probably the poster child for looking at video games that way. I, on the other hand, and am the poster child for wishing that video games would tackle subjects like that. I, I would rather see video games be more like movies, television, books. Well, and, uh, and, and I'm not saying games are art, but I'm saying that because it's entertainment doesn't mean it can't be. Well, but 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 to me, it's issues. it's. I think it just needs to be. They need to work on being better before they sure. start working about being art. But so I think they're getting there. One I mean, is I think they... War. What a terrible game. Okay, <laughs> but I think they are getting better, Bruce. I mean, I think games are willing. Uh, narrative, the, the biggest uh, obstacle to video games approaching these issues are how video games deal with narrative. Because otherwise, it's just mechanics. And once I... you introduce narrative, you introduce the potential to talk about things in an interesting way. And I think video games are indeed arriving there and maybe even there well and also we're not talking about this isn't monolithic right I, it's a question of whether or not in this huge industry there's a place for five percent of the games to actually address interesting issues the other 95 percent, as far as i'm concerned can go ahead being pablum for people who just want spider-man 27 the video game right i have no problem with that i know there'll always be a market for that hell i like playing mario kart too but the but the point is there is room for games to address more interesting topics and they don't have to be little 30 minute you know, downloadable games that only 65 people play. They can be mainstream games. And that's part of what's exciting about seeing a game like Assassin's Creed 2, just tackling it head on. I, I mean, whether or not I think it's a good game or not is irrelevant. I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, however many millions of copies that thing's going to sell, five to seven, 
that they're addressing a, a an interesting issue and that they've addressed it. it fighting with... the Pope is an interesting issue. Yeah, Julian, I got to go with Bruce on this. I don't see Assassin's Creed doing any, anything interesting. I mean, other than providing a little historical nod, I don't see it doing anything interesting with, with religion in any meaningful way. Have you actually unlocked all the like random stuff in the corners? Because that's where it all is. It's all the corners. in the corners. Well, I mean the texts and the videos, not the oh, not corners. The... <laughs> yes, I have. I know their take on Adam and yeah. Eve. Uh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I find that interesting. But my my again, my point is, I'm not saying whether it's a good game or a bad game. My Fair point enough. is, at least they're addressing an issue that you know historically people are saying this is a third rail. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. I but applaud them for at least trying. I think it's more, and this is almost a pun, uh, I wish I could work this out, I think it's more an Easter egg than a feature in Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, uh, I totally disagree. I think it's well, actually... that Adam and Eve stuff, you have to find all of the, uh, the little hidden glyphs on the landmarks uh, before you understand the importance of that. And it's a bunch of silly conspiracy stuff, yeah. like you unlock those cool stories. But otherwise, it's like Assassin's Creed 1 in that it's set in a, in a historical period where religion was really important but it sidesteps any sort of controversial perspective on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't played the game, but I agree. I mean, the whole God is dead, Clapton is God, whatever. I mean, it just... <laughs> Jesus just, had kids. Yeah, you know, come on. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just dumb. I mean, it's, 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 it's old and, and kind of juvenile. I, like I said, I'm really... not saying they do it well, but I just, it, at least it's being, at least they took the opportunity in a AAA game to even put it in, if you, I mean, I don't agree that it's just totally Easter egg. I think it's pretty fundamental. Well, but, but I think the fact that they even address it, I think, is interesting. And I, I hope that they don't get, you know, I think that just speaks to the, I think it just speaks to the, the complete, you know, how bereft gaming is of any sort of interesting, you know, philosophical input. Here's that, a, here's that, what that I would... makes that that's actually go ahead, Tom. Well, here's, I, I think, Julian, a better example of what I, I think you're, you're trying to talk about. Uh, in Far Cry 2, you, your character was infected with malaria, and you're a mercenary in an African country, and you, you're basically just doing missions and shooting people, and you pick factions. And, but every now and then you get an outbreak of malaria, and it messes up the gameplay. So you need medicine. Uh, and this was one of the sort of resources in the game. So the only way to get medicine is to go to the church... And the church has you running errands, basically delivering papers to safe houses where refugees are hiding. And when you do that, you get your malaria medicine. So there is this, this sense in Far Cry 2 throughout the game that the church is helping refugees, is this humanitarian influence in a war-torn, desolate, ruined country. And you are forced to help the church save these refugees. Now you can ignore the, you know, you don't have to think <laughs> I about love, the But the subtext there is so beautiful, which is the church will only help you if you do exactly what you tell them to do. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's a sort of an interesting, I mean, it's, I agree, but I think it's, you know, interesting the way they chose to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. They're going to let the malaria kill you unless you do the errands for the refugees. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that, that to me right there is, uh, you know, Ubisoft, that was a, a far more interesting way to present religion in an action game than what they're doing with Assassin's Creed. Uh, I, th I think I th that's fair because it's not it, religion for all of its prevalence in the in the the theme of Assassin's Creed 2 is completely it's, it's you know, it's a void in the gameplay. There's no there's no actual impact of religion in how the game works. Right. right. There's no there's no piousness slider. There's no benefit to being one way or another. It's completely on rails. 
Right. So how about all those Christian games that Tom plays? Oh, good Lord. I was just thinking, I mean, I, most Christian games these days are just doing, they're imitating pop cap stuff. And there's that horrible real-time strategy game based on the left behind. Left behind? Levels. Yeah. Yeah. God, those are wretched. Yeah. Those give Christianity a bad, bad game, as I, as I recall. Yeah, they're, they're bad games, and they give Christianity a worse name than, say, the Inquisition or the Crusades. I, I, I mean, as a random side note, like one of like the most out there Pentecostal uh, evangelical people I know organizes game nights for his mega church in the Midwest. And what do they do for his game nights? They play Left 4 Dead 2, right? I mean, <laughs> they don't play all that crap. So why, this is one thing I wondered. Left 4 Dead 2, Valve does a great job creating these, these character <laughs> sketches that are there while you're playing a shooter. How come nobody in Left 4 Dead 2? I mean, so far we've had four characters, four from Left 4 Dead, four new characters in Left 4 Dead 2. How come none of them is a Christian or a Muslim or Coach. a Jew? Coaches. Coaches? Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. What does he say? Like, what, uh, what kind he's of? Got some, he's got some lines. He says a couple of like little prayers and stuff like that. Oh, holy cats. Well, I totally <laughs> pretty, uh, I'm pretty did sure. Not give of... credit. Wow. He, that's, yeah. Does wow. he mention Jesus? Like, are they Jesus? Are they just generic God? I, you know, or? you're holding my feet to the fire, and now I'm going to have to go remember. Oh, okay. Well, good for them. Okay. If they did do that. Uh, well, see, the, the tricky thing is, you know, like when we talk about The Sims, it, it's so easy to do it poorly. Uh, and, and so it's like you're talking about the risk reward thing. And, and uh, so in something like The Sims or in any game, there are a lot of simple generalizations you can make. Uh, about religions to distinguish them from one another um, and and I think one of the ways you can do this without offending people is being careful to make all of the generalizations positive uh, and for instance, I think this is something that uh, the Europa Universalis games do for for the most part uh, like you could say Catholics have an appreciation for tradition and ritual I can't imagine that would offend a Catholic uh, you could say I'm pretty offended right now, but you're not even Catholic. Says uh, who? Uh, you, uh, you could say, here's one. Does this offend you, Bruce? What if I say Protestants are more literary and have a strong work ethic? I think that's racist. Well, Protestant ethic in the spirit of capitalism. <laughs> okay, here's one for Jews. What about Jews have a strong sense of community and scholarship? Does that work for you? I'm, I'm still waiting for you to design your, your Max Weber simulation game. But um, yeah, I mean, it, sure. I mean, you could put, you could put all those things in a game. Uh, I'm not sure why you. Well, okay, you know, yeah, sure. At some point, at some point, somebody will do it. I mean, and and then we'll see what kind of what kind of uh, uh, you know Holocaust ensues. <laughs> well, here's the tricky one, Bruce. And I'm going to throw this in your lap. Do this for me. So I just did three world religions. Do Islam for me. In what era? It, just, yeah. just contemporary. Contemporary Islam. You're doing a, You're doing The Sims three, and you're you're building your character. You want to give every character positive traits based on their religion, something like that. What would you do, Bruce, for Islam? You get bonus to astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, I, mean I, think, I, I suppose you could say something like sobriety, right? I mean, if you're believing people are going to be following the tenets of their professed religion. Yeah, don't don't even don't even don't even try to get me to go there, Tom. Well, so that's that's the thing is it's difficult. I mean, the thing I came up with, uh, they have an appreciation for social structure and education. 
but, but see, the, the problem is I can easily see this veering into these borderline offensive, if not yeah, well, because by definition, it's a stereotype. stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, for instance, giving Jews, uh, you know, a, a, an income bonus. That, that right, kind of, exactly. Just, yes. That's just cringeworthy. But here's the thing. It, you could do far worse than that. Like, I think right now an, a very important issue in the world is the perception of Islam, particularly in the United States. Okay. Uh, and as a culture, we're demonizing an, an entire religion, and it's, it's mm-hmm. ignorant. Uh, and I would hate to see that kind of thing translated into a video game. So unless you can do it right, unless you can avoid it being just adding to the problem, absolutely steer clear of it. Because I, I am not Islamic, but I would be more offended by some half-assed, you know, oh, if you're Islamic, you get a bonus to suicide bombing. I would be more offended at that than, than anything that touched my own religious belief. Uh, Why so, is that? Because, like I said, I think that's a that's an incredibly important issue in the world today. It's, and it's Why would you be more offended States, by The perception it? of Islam. Why does that make you offended? Uh, I would be. I think offend? that would do more damage uh, by doing. But that's not. A, that's not like, offensive. That's offensive. I would think it would offend me personally more yes. than something cringeworthy like, "Oh, a Jew gets an income bonus." So that's just stupid. Uh, I don't think that necessarily does damage. It reinforces a really stupid stereotype. Uh, I think a more important issue than this old stereotype that, hey, Jews are good with money, is the demonization of Islam. So that's why it would offend me. But I, I'm, I'm taking issue with your use of the word offensive. I would be offended. How can you take issue with that? Because I don't think you're using the right word. Or if you are using the right word, then you have some other emotional uh, basis for your response that's not, this, that's not the intellectual uh, basis that you, that you stated. Uh, no, I think it's an intellectual basis. The intellectual basis is that I think that's a huge. The perception of Islam is a hugely important issue, uh, more important than goofy stereotypes about Jews being bankers. Uh, and if, and yeah, I would be intellectually offended. By okay, well, that's a different. That that's a different kind of offensive. But it's still offensive. What you, you're getting all? Don't get all pedantic. And <laughs> Can you be intellectually offended, or is offense being offended an emotion to start with? And also, Bruce, is your pedantry an aspect of your Catholicism? Uh, no, that's my, it's my uh, love of tradition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I said, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Julian, you mentioned with, with Peter Molyneux saying, you know, there's, there's not enough reward for that kind of gameplay to, to merit taking the risk, I suppose. Right. So and and I, think, I think once you remove it from either the level of abstraction that we have in something like Civ Four. Which went reasonably far with it. I mean, at least you've got monotheism and polytheism, and at least some some boundaries around religions. Um, well, monotheism is a, is a is in Civ One, right? Right. But but what isn't in Civ One is its connection to Judaism. So when you hit monotheism in Civilization Four, you unlock. If you're the first one to get there, you become the founder of Judaism. Uh, so they're specifically saying, and that's kind of a value judgment, actually. They're specifically saying that the discovery of monotheism began with Judaism, which is, isn't necessarily historically inaccurate, but that's a fairly provocative thing to say, maybe. There, there are other provocative ways. Let me quiz you guys. So there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. There are seven world religions are in Islam. Each one is unlocked you mean in by Civ discovering four. a specific you mean you in said what? in Islam. You mean in Civ Four? In Civ Four, right? That's right. the last one. In Civ Four, there's seven. You're fixated on Islam. I wanted to explore this fixation you have with Islam. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, but first, let's see how you do on this quiz. I'm going to give you the seven world religions. It's actually pretty straightforward. You have Judaism, Christianity, Islam, 
Hinduism and Buddhism, Confucianism and Taoism. Pretty straightforward. Now, I'm going to give you seven texts. You guys tell me. I'm going to throw out a tech, and you tell me which religion it unlocks. Are you ready? And I'm going to score the two of you to see which of you is more religious. Okay, so here we go. Remember, the, the religions are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, Hinduism and Buddhism, Confucianism and Taoism. This is the only strategy game I've ever played, so I think I'm going to do okay. Okay, so I've already sort of thrown <laughs> a monotheism one. Uh, Ju uh, uh, you go first, Julian. What religion is unlocked with monotheism? Uh, with monotheism? Judaism. Bruce, what's your answer? Methodists. Bruce, all right, you're already falling behind. <laughs> you just uh, said told us that monotheism unlocks Judaism. Right, so I know. So I, that's a free point, basically. So uh, you're giving me the benefit of the doubt because I'm such a loser. I get it. <laughs> okay, here you go. What religion is unlocked with philosophy? I know this one. Julian, you go first then. Oh, uh, well, see, so you've already said, okay, Bruce, you go first. Philosophy. Does what are my choices? Uh, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism or Buddhism, Confucianism or Taoism. How about Lutherans? <laughs> He's not really going to play. Yeah, I don't think so. so you do know this one, Julian? I, I'm guessing it's Taoism. Very good. Now, why would you guess that? Like, do you know that? Or because I'm not really. It, clear I, I've exactly played. I've played a lot of Civ Four. It's one of the only like. I, I, anyway, I just so the the polytheism and meditation ones make sense to me. Do you remember those, Julian? Uh, polytheism has to be Hinduism. Very good. Right. Meditation has to be Buddhism. Meditation Very has good. to be Buddhism. Right. Those. Okay. Those seem no. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Actually, so uh, con the Confucianism makes sense for me. Oh, I've blown it. A uh, code of laws gives right. you Confucianism. Now, here's the, the weird one. So you have Christianity and Islam. One is unlocked by theology. The other is unlocked by divine right. Ooh. And I'm not exactly sure what they're getting at by their choices, but what are your guesses? I'm going to guess. I'm going to mm -hmm. guess that Christianity goes with theology. Okay. I'm going to guess the other way around. See, Julian got it right. Uh, so That's yeah, Islam, divine right, you learn Islam. And once you learn theology, you, you get Christianity. And the only reason I'm saying that is because of, you know, when I, my, my personal interest in Christian history is all about, you know, the Middle Ages and all the pissing on each other's shoes about what was going to end up in the canon and all that stuff. So to me, that's like all the interesting, you know, theological argumentation that yeah, happened in that period I find interesting. So... That's why I made that connection. Well, here's if I were asked, the, the reason that I would know it is I'm thinking of, I'm looking in my, in my head, I sort of have a visual image of the tech tree, and I know that divine right would come after theology, just like Islam came after Christianity. Right, so, so. that makes sense. <laughs> but the whole idea of the divine right of kings is based in, well, whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what exactly they mean by divine right. It doesn't too. really, it doesn't really work. That, that I, I would, if, if. I would say this is historically inaccurate. <laughs> well, here's the thing. One of the things they did, and again, this is just emblematic of how reluctant they are to make any hard choices about religion and civilization for. One of the options that I think shipped with the game, this wasn't patched in or anything, is you can randomize which religion unlocks with which tech. In case it's too, uh, it's too offensive. Right. In, case, in case you really wanted Islam to go for polytheism. And now I'm sure, by the way, that there are, I, I should have looked up specifics, but I know for a fact there are mods for Civilization IV that add various traits to specific religions. 
you know, sure, like me. Easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be easy to do. And I know there's stuff like that out there. I don't know if any of them are widely played or if any of them are particularly successful, but it's definitely something that Firaxis new people would want to play with. And the game is so moddable that absolutely people have played with this. Um, I'm just going to make a guess that the Facebook version of civilization that Sid's working on isn't going to have that. I think you're probably right. I think that's a good call, Julian. <laughs> Uh, so before we go, I just because I, I'm just so tickled with how well it works in Europa Universalis 3. You know, they have the freedom of being a niche game. and They're not going to piss people off with the stuff they do. Uh, but they 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 have so much detail and specifics. Uh, you know, there's so many specific religions uh, and their, their whole the way they model the papacy uh, as a huge influence on that period of time and, and how people curried favor and tried to get the ear of the Pope and won Cardinals over. And uh, there's just so many cool things they do there. They also have this idea that when you're playing, you build your nation out of what are called national ideas. And these are almost like skills or in a, in an RPG or something. So you have a few slots you can use and you plug these national ideas into the slots to build your nation and it tweaks the rules. One of the columns for national ideas, there are five different types, is culture. And of those cultural national ideas, half of them have to do with religion. Um, they have all of these religious decisions that you have to make for your nation. And they're very specific things like, uh, do you tax churches? Uh, how do you treat uh, blasphemy? Uh, if you are in an Islamic, if you're playing an Islamic nation, you can pass a tax on non-believers. Uh, if you're the Incas, for instance, you can decide to enact human sacrifice, uh, which gives you some religious stability, but increases your infamy, which is how uh, other nations regard you. Um, so I just, EU3, I just think right now is the richest, most in-depth examination of the historical role of religion that you can get in a, in a computer strategy game. Except for here I stand. What? Except <laughs> for here I stand, right, right. If you're not going to play a board game, right. I want I want a first person shooter where I can play Martin Luther and actually nail those freaking things onto the church door. <laughs> well, that's another thing too. Is you know around that time they have the Protestant Reformation and it's this huge event and it messes up stability everywhere. Well, in Europe, uh, and then they have a Counter Reformation and. Uh, you just get this sense of this wild, this religious wildfire sweeping the continent and and messing up the carefully ordered stability of the Catholic Church, and the, uh, they just do such a good job presenting that. I, I just want to point out for the record that um, I just remembered that um, board games are so far ahead of computer games because, uh, like, thirty years ago, at least, uh, there was a board game that SPI put out called A Mighty Fortress. And it, that was about the uh, wars of the Reformation. So I just think that uh, it's pretty much game set match. Because <laughs> it costs exactly as much to develop a board game as it does to develop a AAA video game. No more. More, right? Of course, more. And to pay, well, you have to pay for all the great ideas. Are 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 we done? Are we done now? Uh, yeah. Let's move on to talking about iPhone games now. All right. God, Unicorn is so terrible. You haven't played enough. I can't believe we played one game where, Bruce, you were doing everything wrong. <laughs> well, I just. <laughs> hey, you know, what it, you know what is out for the iPhone, which is just inarguably good? Ingenious what? by Reiner Knizia. Really Whoa. simple, abstract strategy game. 
Did he make no. it specifically for the iPhone or it's a port of the Reiner? Kinesi? No, it's, it's a port of the Reiner game and it's an official port. Like it comes from Reiner. It says Reiner. Reiner just made too many. I hate those abstract games. It's just pointless. Do you know Ingenious, Bruce? Do you know that one? I think I know. What he, I've never played it, but I know which one he's talking about. What, what kind of game is it, Julian? Tell us. It's about a. It. It's a. You you place tiles on a hex grid, and it's a. It's a basically a big hex made out of lots of little hexes, and you're placing little two hex tiles down that have one of six symbols on them, and all you're trying to do is basically create chains to score points. Uh, and you it's like score locus, whatever that it, it is. It's not, it's like any number of tile placing games like that, where you're yeah. trying the, the, the thing that's interesting about the game is that it's uh it's a negative score chase like golf, right? So you're trying to, you, whatever your lowest score is, is what your score is for the game. Um, and you're trying to get a high score. So you might've finished out like two rows of one color, but then in the third color, you never managed to get more than two or three. Well, your score is two or three. Whereas, so yeah, it, I, it rewards Tigers that way. It's like a Gricola. I'm thinking Tigers and Euphrates. Exactly. Total. Well, like either one, right? It's rewarding mediocrity, but in this case, it doesn't feel bad because they're not applying a theme to it. Like you know, make sure you have two chickens and one goat. Um, Can you pretend that the different colors are different world religions? You probably could. You could invest really <laughs> heavily in Judaism, but avoid Christianity. Sure. Uh, but avoiding but anything makes... kills you. But it's actually it is one of the best sort of raw abstract strategy games I played in the last couple of years, you know, um, probably since ice. And it's completely uninterested. All you, all you have to do, all you have to do. Bruce has solved this game already. <laughs> but all you have to do to, sol- to, to make a game interesting to me is just you, you use some standard cards, you see, use some simple things, but then you call it Beowulf. <laughs> right? And then you're hooked. Exactly. Exactly. It's so easy. Theme over function. Well, that's Actually, what, what I what I appreciate about the, about Ingenious is that there is no theme because so many Reiner Knizia games are like math that they then like spray graphics on top of and say, "Look, yeah, it's about farming. Look, it's about a zoo." Right. That's perfect. That's the way I want it. <laughs> All right, I will I will hand make you a religion themed copy of Ingenious for your iPhone. Perfect. Now, All can right, you play yeah. Ingenious multiplayer like you can Unowar, like taking turns or? Uh, don't... Uh, I don't think so. I've only been playing against the AI um, so far. You can, I know you can hand it back and forth and play two player with the guy next to you. Um, but I, I haven't actually even looked to see whether there's any online, but unfortunately, like so many core strategy games, the AI isn't that great. Um, so I mean like hive, which is another one of my favorite abstract games of the last couple of years um, has an iPhone implementation. That's great. But the AI is so poor that once you figure out the mistakes it makes, it's completely unchallenging on the AI. And unfortunately, Ingenious suffers a little bit from that. Um, but it's still random enough that you can you can still get beat, even if you're pretty good at it. Right. I, I just want to just I just want to come back again because now I've got the box open, and uh, I just want to point out that here I stand does include a Henry VIII's Henry's wives pregnancy chart. <laughs> And that's why you love the game. It does nothing to it's do with whether it's a good game. You just like the theme. It's like, look, yes. I get to decide who's knocked up when. Exactly. It's <laughs> done. Oh, should we call it? I think we're calling it. Are we calling it? I think we're calling it. All right. Do we have to say goodnight? We say. Uh, what Shouldn't we tease? What What are we doing next week? I have no idea what we're doing next week. Okay. Um, we're going to um... record another show. Yeah, we'll probably talk to um, we'll, we'll talk to Sid Meyer about his Sid for uh, for the for Facebook. All right, good, awesome, well teased, Bruce.
All right, excellent. God had a name. What would it be and would you call it to his face? If 